0: We're going to uh, read from 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning. 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to ask Dean if he wouldn't mind reading for us, please. From verse 19 to verse 30, please. 1 Kings chapter 18, reading from verses 19 to 30. The word of
1: the Lord says,
0: Now therefore, send and
1: gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal, and the four hundred prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will put the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's meditating, or he is busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried out and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken
0: down. Thank you, Dean. I'd like to bring some thoughts uh, before us this morning uh, on the victory at Mount Carmel. Now, it's a very well-known story in the Bible. I'm not going to tell you uh, the story because I'm sure you all know it, but we're just going to look at a few thoughts uh, that we can extract from this portion. So, starting off from verse 19, Uh, I would like you to notice that it tells us there that all Israel had gathered together on Mount Carmel, and then it says and the prophets of Baal. You see, it was their finest hour, uh, Elijah's finest hour. They had all been summoned to uh, Carmel, and also these idolatrous prophets of Baal. And notice that They had been assimilated into the lives of the Israelites. If you look closely at verse 19, you will see that they were eating at Jezebel's table. They were part of the family. They were part of the nation. But the Bible differentiates between them and the Israelites because it says all Israel and the prophets of Baal. The Bible never joined them together because they were truly not of God's people, even though they were living in the nation, even though they were eating together. Now my brother, my sister, in your lives as well, there will be lots of people coming to give you advice on various issues in life. And it doesn't mean that they are all good pieces of advice for you to listen to. They could be in your family, they could be from your workplace, Uh, There are myriad ways in the world today when people try to get into your head and they will tell you all the right things for you to do in your life. But I would like to tell you this morning that you should only follow the instructions of your church leaders. You should only follow the instructions of the elders of your church. You should take advice from the right people because Satan will try to confuse you on the most important decisions that you make in your life. Make sure that you give God the first place and do things according to His way. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 29, uh, an instruction is given to us where it tells us that grievous wolves can enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And these grievous woes can even be found even in the church. You never know who is giving you the right advice or not. So the best way for you to direct your life, if you want to know how the solutions for life's problems, go to the elders, the leaders of the church and ask them for advice. Then I want you to notice the next lesson Uh, is taken from verse 21. And Elijah asked a very important question that was applicable then, and it's applicable now. And in verse 21, it says, how long halt ye between two opinions? Everyone in life is caught in the same problem. Which way should we direct our life? There is the newspapers, there is television, the internet, all telling us what we should do, what are the right choices for us to make in our life. And then there is God's word telling us how we should live our lives. In those days, a previous generation, they had to choose between Christ or Barabbas. At Ephesus, they had to choose between Christ or the god Diana. For you, it could be God or Mammon. When it comes to the important issues in life, what is the choice that you make, my friend, this morning? What do you, which way do you incline? Now, when this question was asked at Mount Carmel, do you know what the answer was? Well, have a look at verse 21 right at the end. And it tells me, the Bible says, and the people answered him not a word Will you be silent this morning in your hearts when I pose this question to you? Or will you be able to firmly say, I choose what God wants for me in my life? Will you be able to say that I make all the important decisions in my life, I give God the first place? My prayer is that this morning, that you would choose to put God first in your life. Then I want you to go next to verse 22 and there Elijah says that I even I only remain the only prophet of the Lord now sometimes you may be feeling isolated or in a minority status you may be feeling that you are the only one who is going through the problems of life let me assure you this morning my brother my sister my friend that you are not alone Elijah was thinking on that day, I am alone. I am the only one who is going through these issues. But whatever issue it is that you are facing in your life this morning, and I don't know what it is. It could be a medical issue. It could be a financial issue. It could be a work issue. You are not alone. There are others who have been through it with you. God is there to help you. In fact... Uh, In chapter 19 and verse 18, if you turn the page over, you will see that there were 7,000 others in Israel who had not bowed to Baal just like Elijah. He was not alone. And you are not alone. May you be encouraged with that thought this morning. And then, next I want you to notice the tactics that were employed by these prophets of Baal. Uh, when they had to set fire to the sacrifice, uh, in verse 26 you can see that they used vain repetition and high drama. Uh, we find that today, even in there are some churches you can go to where you will see a lot of vain repetition and drama uh, you can find in there. And then in verse twenty eight, you will see that they used noise and self abuse. Even today, there are some religions in this world, for example, Hinduism. I have seen them uh, piercing themselves uh, with all kinds of sharp instruments, abusing their bodies to try to appease their gods. It goes on in the world today. Uh, And they did all this to no avail. And Elijah says that, you know, why is it that your God is not answering you? Perhaps he's asleep, he suggests. Here's a thought that I wish to leave with you. The God that we worship is completely different. In Psalm 121 and verse 4, it says, He that keepeth Israel shall neither sleep nor slumber. Our God is alive. He is above watching out for each and every one of us. We are not worshipping a God who is... Uh, someone who's been there before and does not exist anymore. We are not worshipping any graven image. If you want to make the right choice, my friend this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ is the right choice for your life. Amen. <clears throat> then I would like you to next move on to verse 30. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. And uh, here we would see how Elijah would now demonstrate the sufficiency and supremacy of the Lord that we worship. He invited the people to draw near. It says there uh, in verse 30, uh, come near unto me. Do you notice those words? Come near unto me. He wanted them to come close to him so that they could see that there was no trickery, uh, that uh, uh, that when the, um, Sacrifice was burnt that the true God was doing it. And it was also an indication of Elijah's affection for the people. He wanted them to be near to him. Now, uh, I would like us to notice carefully the way Elijah went about his uh, instructions. Look first at verse 33. 1 Kings 18, verse 33. It tells us, that he put the wood in order. He put the wood in order. You see, the instructions that he followed are very instructive for us. He dealt with things in an orderly way. My friend this morning, my brother, my sister, here's the next lesson. If we want to, or if we expect God to work in our lives, there has to be godly order and compliance with his command. You cannot just expect God to do, use you, work in your life. It doesn't just happen like that. You have to do things in an orderly way, according to how God has instructed you through the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40, it tells us, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. Are you doing things in your life according to God's order? Elijah set things out in order. He was following the instructions that he had received. I would like uh, you to also note that the reason Elijah did this was that he had complete confidence in God. You see, he would never follow the instructions and do things in order if he didn't trust and believe God. Isn't that true? Only because he trusted and believed God that he did things in order. Do you know that our God is able to do the impossible? You can have full trust and confidence in him. If you've come here this morning wondering perhaps, who is the true God? Let me tell you that our God, with him anything is possible. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, it tells us this. uh, One of my favorite verses, Uh, if you haven't marked this sentence in your Bible, I would advise you to do so. Luke one thirty-seven tells us, With God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Then I want you to look uh, uh, at verse 36 for our next lesson from this portion. The prophet's prayer it holds valuable lessons for us. Look carefully at how we address God. Verse 36, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. That is how we address God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. You see. He was the God of history, whose record of his faithfulness to his people was beyond question. And Elijah had full confidence that he was unchanged right till that day. So he was remembering all of history, how God dealt with Abraham, how God dealt with Isaac, how God dealt with Israel. When you are praying, remember how God has been before. Remember how He has answered all the promises, how he's taken his children through it. Do not forget God's goodness in your life. Let us have the conviction that the God whose power and affection we have read of in Scripture has not been relegated to history. He is our God. We are his servants. Let us remember that. Remember that we worship the God of Abraham Isaac and of Israel. Then I also want you to notice another important lesson for our lives that can be taken from verse 36. And you'll find the words there I have done all these things at thy word. I have done all these things at thy word. You see, The fact that Elijah had obeyed God's command encouraged him to believe that God would respond to his appeal. So he said to God, I have done all these things at thy word. You see, if you obey God's word, he will hear you when you call him. This is a very important principle that you should remember in your life. If you obey God's word, When you call him, when you ask of him some guidance or direction, he will hear you. There was only one person in history that could say, I know that thou would always hear me. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. But for us, it is different. But undoubtedly, obedience and devotion are necessary if we expect God to respond positively to our requests. There is a verse that tells us in Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In your life, if you are wondering, I am praying all the time, but God is not answering my prayers. If you are wondering why, well, that's the reason. You've got some iniquity, some sin in your life. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But if you are living a pure life in obedience to God's word, godly order, following his ways, he will hear you. My friend, I encourage you this morning to put things right in your life. Make sure that there is godly order, and then you will be able to see God working in your life. Then I want you to look at verse 37. And there, right at the end of verse 37, it says, uh, turn their heart back again. Turn their heart back again. You see, the prophet was convinced that God is the God of restoration as he had turned their heart back again. Whatever your situation this morning, you could be someone who has loved God, but perhaps has lost that first love. Perhaps you are not as enthusiastic for Christ as you once were. But do you know that the God that we worship is the God of the second chance? He had turned their heart back again. Remember that they had all started following Baal, the majority of them. But our God is patient, loving. He will give you that second chance and turn your heart back again to Him if you give Him that opportunity. Believe that in your hearts. And if you are feeling a little distant from God, if you haven't been following His word, His commands, if you've been staying away perhaps uh, from the church meetings, you haven't been as regular, don't worry you have a second chance, he will bring you back to him if you allow him to work in your life. In our prayers, let us believe that no matter how dark the circumstances or how serious the departure, God can work in our hearts to effect repentance. If you are in a backstreet condition today, if you've lost that first love, ask him and he will bring you back to him. Psalm 23, verse 3, that famous psalm, it says, He restoreth my soul. God can do that. God can bring you back to Him. Then I want you to notice next, um, in verse 39, the people saw it, and they fell on their face, uh, and they worshipped God. What did they see? They saw how God answered Elijah's prayer, and he brought fire down, and he consumed the sacrifice. Now, uh, you remember earlier, in verse 30, I pointed out that Elijah said, come near unto me. Come near. Here's another very important lesson. You see here that as soon as the people saw the sacrifice being consumed, what did they do? Verse 39, they fell on their faces and they worshipped God. You see, the experience at the altar moved them to worship. When you get close to God, when you draw near to Him, it will promote worship in your heart. That is why your leaders of your church will encourage you to attend every meeting, Of the church. To stay close to him. To be near to him. Because when you draw near to him. It will promote worship in your heart. You will be thankful. And you would lead lives pleasing to him. Don't we sing that song. Jesus keep me near the cross. Proximity to the cross of Calvary. Will promote worship in our hearts. And it will stimulate service as the love of God constrains us. So keep in close communion with God. Continue steadfastly. That is my prayer for you this morning. Then I want you to notice next uh, how Elijah prayed to God after his prayer was answered. Now he wants rain to come down uh, because there had been no rain, it was dry, and he wants rain to come down. And so what does he do? He prays to God, verse 42. So Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he started praying for prayer, and then uh, for rain. And then he asked his servant to go up and look towards the sea to see if rain was coming. Now, I want you to notice his prayer. His prayer is very instructive for us we can also apply the same thoughts in our prayer life. Firstly, notice that he prayed reverently. It tells us in verse 42 that he cast himself down on the earth. He prayed reverently. Then notice next that when Elijah prayed, he prayed expectantly. He didn't just pray uh, expecting that his prayer would not be answered or maybe it would be answered. No, he prayed believing. Because why? Each time he went out to see if the rain was coming. When you pray to God, pray reverently, pray expectantly, and then, I noticed next that he prayed persistently. He went out and back again, continued prayer, then he went out and looked again to see whether the rain was coming. Pray persistently when you pray to God. Continue in prayer and then you will find that if you do all these things, God can answer your prayer. God uh, responded to his prayer and brought um, rain down on the people. So my brother, my sister, my friend this morning, here is the main thought that I would like to leave with you this morning. You need to get close to God. You need to make him the central figure in your life. When you do that, you will start seeing changes in your life. There is a verse in James chapter 4 and verse 8. And it tells us this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you can do that in your life, if you can make him number one in your life, you will see the changes starting to happen inside of you. Proximity to the altar, Elijah said to them, come near unto me. They all went close to the altar. When they went close to the altar, they saw God at work. They fell down and started worshipping God. You see what happened when they drew near to him? If you can do the same thing in your life, draw near unto him this morning, he will draw near unto you. You will start feeling God working in your life. I would just like to recap on the main points that I wanted you to observe this morning. Remember that the prophets of Baal had come in and assimilated themselves as part of the children of Israel. They were eating at Jezebel's table. But yet scripture separates them out. Be careful of whom you are fellowshipping with, whom you are mixing with. They could be very much part and parcel of your life, but are they giving you the right advice? Are they telling you the things that God wants you to do? The only ones you can trust. Are the leaders of your church. And then we remembered the point of question that Elijah asked, how long halt between two opinions? Are you trapped between two opinions this morning? For generations people have been caught in this same thought. Should I do this or should I do that? In the important choices of life, do you choose to do it God's way? Or do you choose to do it the world's way? And then we remember the lesson that do not be discouraged. You are not alone. You may think that I am the only one going through all this suffering and torment. But just like Elijah didn't know that there were 7,000 others just like him who hadn't bowed to Baal, you are not alone. And then remember that... Uh, the lesson of how he asked them to draw near. When you come near to God, he will start to work in your life. And then remember the lesson of how he dealt with things in an orderly way. Scripture tells us that Elijah set things in order. If we expect God to work, there has to be godly order And compliance to his commandments what he has told us from the Bible only when you start following those commandments and putting your life in order can God work in your life and then remember the mark of every true believer just like Elijah he had that confidence that with God anything is possible just like it told us in Luke if you believe that then your prayers also will be more effective when you pray to God. And then remember how Elijah addressed God. He said, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. What does that tell me? It tells me that he remembered all the promises, how God had kept them, and how he had kept his word. Make sure that you don't forget all the good things that God has done In your life all the good things that you've seen him do around you claim those promises when you pray to him and then remember Elijah said in his prayer I have done all things at thy word I have done all things at thy word are you able to pray like that when you pray God I have done all things at thy word I have kept all your commandments If you can pray like Elijah prayed that day, your prayers will be answered. The only reason your prayers may not be answered is because if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Make sure that you do all things at his word. And then remember the lesson that we learned how God turned their hearts back again. He is the God of a second chance. If He was able to turn all these people back to Him again, whatever stage you are at in your life this morning, and perhaps you have drifted a little bit away, you don't, you're not as close to Him as you once were, don't worry. If you come back to Him, He will have you draw close to him and he will draw close to you if you keep his commandments if you follow the instructions from the Word of God if you move close to the altar and if you say Lord Jesus keep me close to the cross he can start to work in your life and then remember Elijah's prayer how it was reverent, how it was expectant, how it was persistent. When you want to pray to him and ask him, make sure you also follow the same pattern that he did because that's obviously a winning pattern. Follow those same examples in your life. Next week, uh, I would like to continue with the points that we've uh, uh, been looking at Uh, and we'll take some thoughts from chapter 19. This week we looked at chapter 18. Next week uh, we will look at chapter 19. We'll see right there at the beginning of chapter 19 how uh, Jezebel came and she threatened Elijah and he decided to run away. You see, uh, uh, here's another thought that we can uh, part with. Um, Success leaves us Vulnerable, men tend to fail on their strong points. When you experience great victory in your life, that is when you've got to be most careful. Perhaps you're feeling a little, you know, sometimes you know, your boss has given you a bonus or you've done a good deal or something went right in your family life and things are looking good, you know, you feel a little lifted up. Do you experience that sometimes? When you feel like that, no doubt Elijah was feeling, you know, I prayed, the fire came, you know, people are all following me. Uh, No doubt he was feeling a little bit lifted up. When you experience success in your life, that is when you need to be most careful because certain will be attacking you and wanting to bring you down. And next week we'll see how Elijah went away from God. Let's close in prayer. Scripture that are given to us for our learning. We thank Thee, Our Father that our God is the God of history, that uh, he has uh, dealt with all these different issues and these are written in the Bible so that we can learn from these lessons. We pray, Our Father, that these thoughts may have been helpful to both speaker and hearer alike, and we pray that we may apply these in our lives, that we would draw close to God. We would give him the first place in our life and let him start to work in our lives. We pray now that thou would part us with thy blessings. We ask this in the altogether lovely name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.